coming soon. Satan is going for the throat. Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy as many as he can. But I'm thankful that there's still an old lighthouse in the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can run for refuge to this morning. We ask for extra grace and extra strength. The Lord, there's not a trial, there's not a trouble, there's not a tribulation, Lord. The Bible teaches us, in fact, you asked us this question from your Holy Word, is anything too hard for God? I'm glad that you've never met a foe your equal, that you're higher than the highest, that you're greater than the great, yeah. that you're awesome, and that you're mighty, Lord. And you looked around to swear by greater, and there was no greater, so you swore by your own name, Lord, that you would keep the covenant and we uh, thank you this morning for how powerful you are and how personal you are to us. Amen. We love you now. Bless your word. Touch these lips of clay. Make preaching easy. Lord, to make yourself look good. In Jesus' name we pray. God's children say amen. Amen. Stand your feet Abel, Psalm chapter 32, verse number 5. We'll read four verses. The psalmist writes, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I mean, we know it's good to get honest with God. Yeah. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto who? The Lord. To the priest? No. To the Lord. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Then he finds reason for pause and says, seal it. Don't need to hurry past 
the fact that he has erased our past. Somebody say amen. amen. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. We are in that day of grace today. Surely the floods of great waters, surely in the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with the songs of deliverance. Or my wife might say compass. Is that the correct way to say that? Selah. <laughs> Verse number eight. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eyes. And I want to focus on verse 8 for my thought this morning. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. Future tense. The title of my sermon this morning is From Now On. From Now On. Thank you. You can be seated in God's presence. If we're not careful as Christians, we can get stuck in a rut. Israel did it in the wilderness for 40 years. Essentially walking around in circles. Every so often they say, I think we... Don't that look familiar? Y'all ever been there? Y'all ever been driving down looking for something and realizing you're just driving around in circles? You see, keep seeing the same house over and over again. After a while... You become comfortable in your chaos because you're familiar at least with it. And many churches today and many Christians, though chaotic as church has become for some people, they would rather stay in their chaos and confusion because they're familiar with it than to walk into the unknown with God. We are arrogant to assume that we already know all there is to know about Him. We are arrogant to assume that we have been taught all there is to be taught, and now we need to sit down and teach. I mean, you need to sit down and let us teach you. We're arrogant to assume that uh, no one can teach us something or show us something or lead us somewhere uh, different than we've already been. Many churches are guilty of saying, and I quote, well, it's never been done that way before. As if that's a Bible standard. As if the Bible says, Thou shalt do nothing thou hast not already done. But the Bible does not say that. The Bible does not teach that. In fact, we see in our text a progression. And that's what I want to point out to you. A progression that if you pay close attention and you take good notes, this will help you in your journey with God. This will help you walk closer to Him. And this will help you discover new heights in Him that you would have never otherwise been able to attain to without his aid and without his guide. Are you ready for a ride? Say amen. amen. I'm talking about from now on. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. We're not talking about forsaking principles. We're not talking about forsaking the word of God. We're talking about learning the word of God afresh and anew with fresh eyes and with fresh revelation from the Spirit of God to make it relevant to us so that we get past the rut that we're stuck in. Amen. Churches should be tired of the same old mechanisms that produce no fruit unto righteousness or holiness. 
Churches should be exhausted realizing that all their efforts and man-made energy and power and luster have produced nothing but fleshly entertainment. Churches should be exhausted that after all the years of promoting and pushing men's agendas that their children are still lost and headed for hell. Churches should be disgusted and hungry for something relevant, something new, something fresh, something different from the same old, same old that has produced no fruit. I would suggest to you that we need different when different demands it. We need different when the same old has produced nothing in terms of glory to God and the salvation of mankind. When does the church need to change? A church needs to change when they grow stagnant and cold and when they quit praising and when they quit going and when they quit giving and when they quit doing for God. A church needs to change. You can't do the same old thing and expect different results. That's a, one person to find that is insanity. Somebody say amen. amen. We're insane to assume that we can uh, go into new territory with God, demanding that God fit it within our same old way of thinking and being. Who are we to tell God how he needs to take us down to the promised land? Who are we to tell God how we prefer to arrive? Who are we to tell God the vehicle that we want to ride in uh, so that we're comfortable in ourselves uh, along life's journey? Oh, no, we must zip our lips uh, and say no to self and yes to the Lord and let the Holy Spirit of God be our instructor and refuse the temptation to listen to the lies of self which demands selfish motives and means. Amen. From now on, let us determine that we're going to follow God. From now on, let us determine that if the old don't work, we're getting rid of it. From now on, let us decide if the old isn't biblical, we're letting it go. From now on, if it ain't producing something that glorifies and magnifies the name of Jesus Christ, it's time to kiss it goodbye and kiss Jesus hello. Somebody say amen this morning. We see a progression in our text. Look at verse 5, for example. It starts out, and we've already pointed this out. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. This refers to what was then. By the way, if you need some notes, to follow along with you, go to WashingtonHeightsBC.com or scan the QR code on your bulletin. Click on the sermon notes under today's heading. I acknowledge my sin, he said. What was then? What was in my past? Well, I was a sinner. I remember before Christ saved me, I was hopeless and helpless without him. I remember before Christ came into my life that we were, of all men and people, most miserable. Uh, if you found the caudal family before the gospel hit us, then you would have found a pitiful sight to behold. Right. We were not only the least likely to succeed in life, we were guaranteed for failure. Mm -hmm. My daddy was an old drunk and he wasn't following God. He was following the lusts of the flesh. Right. I remember one day he came home from work, a different man. 
happened, the Holy Spirit worked on his heart, and he drove by the preacher's house and started moving toward God. Amen. Come home and started taking me and my brothers to church. And we went from never going to church to always going to church overnight. Amen. That he couldn't get to church fast enough. He couldn't be there long enough. He would go early and stay late. Uh, he would literally talk for three hours, uh, fellowshipping in the Word on the front porch of the church uh, because he had he was so hungry for God. He wondered where I get my passion from. I saw God take a man uh, that was hooked on a, a bottle and put him hooked on the, the wine of the Word of God. Amen. Uh, he didn't quit drinking. He just changed jugs. Can somebody say amen this morning? Uh, and I watched a man become passionate for Jesus. Uh, and I listened to him talk and many of the scriptures that I know today by memory of my are simply because I heard my dad talk about him over and over again. He was so hungry for the Word of God. He was so desperate for a move of God. And I remember him taking us to every revival within driving distance. And some revivals would even last 10, 12 weeks. We're not that hungry for God anymore today. We can't hardly hold a three-day meeting without people whining and complaining because it costs us too much. It's too inconvenient. And we've got too many plans. God help the church today. The only reason we don't have revival because we're willing to settle without it. This come on, right. come on, brother. Right. But I remember the gospel changed everything. Yes. Yes. Who am I? I'm a wretched sinner saved by the grace of God. Amen. And it is upon that foundation and that foundation alone that I have every reason to not only follow my Lord and do His bidding, but challenge others to do the same. And I'll. Never apologize for fanning the flames of revival. I'll never apologize for pushing the church to get closer to God and, and get more close to the center of God's will for your life. I'll never, uh, I'll never apologize if preaching makes you uncomfortable and makes you squirm in your seat uh, because the mirror of God's word, uh, it, it gets too real to you. Amen. I'll never apologize because it was that same word uh, that was the only thing that could uh, crush my stony heart uh, and make it a heart of flesh and make it responsive to the will of God. And I know that's the same word that's going to change anybody. Our only hope for America, for this church, for any community around the world is the word of God. And it's found at the foot of the cross where it starts with forgiveness through faith in Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. But we don't, we don't forgot where we've been brought from. Jesus talks about the church over there in the book of Revelation who left their first love. Oh, some of you remember the day God saved you. And you're so thankful God saved you. But have you soon forgot? Where's your zeal today? Where's your excitement now? Or have you allowed the things of this world, amen, cause the word of God and the voice of God in your life to grow faintly dim? Have you allowed the voices of this world to drown out the fire of God in your soul to the point that the word church is no longer the first on your list, but it's the last on your list? Oh, we need revival, church, and we need to decide today what we're going to be doing with God from now on. Amen. I believe every church, every individual comes to a turning point in their life. I think we come to many turning points. There are many times the Lord uh, uh, working on us as vessels of clay uh, 
identifies problems and provides solutions if we will just repent and believe and obey the word of God. And depending upon how you respond to the mandates of scripture determines your future. I want to make sure that from now on I'm following the voice of God. Amen. I cannot afford to be lax and lazy in my walk with God. I cannot afford, my family can't afford it. Daddies, are you hearing me? Your children cannot afford your spiritual apathy. They will pay a great price for you to be apathetic about the house of God and the word of God and the ways of God and the will of God. And you may not think so today, but down the road, they will reflect your apathy to the 10th degree because what you do in moderation, they'll do in excess. May God's people today determine that they're going to set the example and not just preach something they don't believe. Come, Come on, brother. What happened to me on September the 9th of 1990, wrecked my world and fixed it all at the same time. It changed my life and set me on a trajectory towards heaven that I don't ever plan on getting over. Amen. And I want to fan your flame today and remind you of who you are if you've ever been saved and whose you are. For you are bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And in your soul, which are his, amen. I, I'm not placing any demands upon you. I'm simply telling you to look to Jesus. I, I'm simply telling you to draw closer to him. I, I'm simply telling you to allow the Holy Spirit to rekindle those flames, those first love fires, amen. I, uh, this is a, a Valentine's season. If you want a Valentine message, here it is. I, fall head over heels in love with Jesus one more time and it'll send a revival fire to the church house. Amen. Amen. We can do that because we've been forgiven. We boast not of ourselves. We boast not of our talent. We boast not of our pedigree as if we had one. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. We boast only in Christ. 1 Samuel 7, 12 Samuel took the stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. You know why you're here today? Don't forget it's because of the grace of God. Amen. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Amen. And I stand accepted in the beloved today, not because I'm a good pastor, not because I'm a faithful church attender, not because I'm a tither, not because I support missions, not because uh, I visit people, uh, to, uh, uh, you know, and, and I go see people when they're down and I call and check on people. I can promise you uh, none of that amounts to anything so far as righteousness is concerned. All that stuff stacks up to a heap of trouble. For, amen. Uh, in the eyes of God, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Uh, we don't do for God and we don't go for God to earn salvation. We do for God and go for God because we are saved and we owe a debt of gratitude and yes. thanksgiving to Him. If your praise was only reflected through your service to God, what would your praise look like today? Oh, we need to get back to our first love and remember from whence we were bought. So we looked at what was then. What about now? Verse 6 teaches us that now because of the blood of Jesus, I'm on praying ground. Look at it. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee. Oh my goodness, I've got a direct connect to the throne room of heaven. 
Amen. Some people are impressed to be connected with the queens and the kings of this earth. But I got one better than that. I can go straight to the throne room of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I don't even have to knock. I can just come on in boldly because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. Don't have to set no importance. Amen. I can just show up and say, come on in, boy. Let's talk a little while. Amen. And what is now is I'm on praying ground. And so, church, we can do something. Because we can talk to somebody that can do something about it. Amen. Don't negate the power of prayer. Never underestimate the power of a prayer walk. Amen. You, you talk to God about your trouble. You pray to God about folk that are sick. You pray about revival for this church. It does not go unattended. We have a God in heaven that hears every prayer. It also teaches not only that I'm on praying ground, it teaches that I'm on holy ground. Look at verse 7. Thou art my hiding place. You see the progression? First I'm forgiven. Now I have audience with the king. Now I'm living in his presence. Well, that's picking up. Okay. Amen. He has made us to sit together in heavenly places. Oh, I know you're sitting on a red pew at Washington Heights Baptist Church on 1495 Washington Road in Thompson, Georgia. But spiritually, you're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. You need to realize who you are and where you are in God. We are seated. We are seated in the heavens, having audience with the King, and our prayers count. Our prayers matter. If the church knew how effective their prayers were, they'd do a whole lot more of them, a whole lot less complaining about it. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, some people, some Christians act like it's an inconvenience to ask them to pray for somebody. Come on. I worry about the Christian that doesn't frequent the holy of holies in their prayer life. See, we're on holy ground. Now, this is a progression. So we were redeemed to save us from our sin, to give glory to God. We were now seated in the heavens to what purpose so that we could have an audience with him so that we could live in his presence and so that our current status with God could be one of equality through the blood of God. I'm not talking about equal with God in the flesh, but one with God in the spirit through the shed blood of Jesus. Yeah. What is, what is Jesus praying in John 17, which was the official Lord's Prayer? I pray that thou wouldst make us one. Mm -hmm. One with God. Not equal with God, but one with God. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I'll never be God, but I can always stay connected to him and get his heart and his mind. What do you do when your heart and your mind are corrupt and misguided you? Well, you hook up to God, amen, and let the circumcision of the heart separate you from your flesh and let the Lord reign. What does the Bible say? This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Right, amen. So he's given us this for power to serve him right here and right now. Amen. Not tomorrow. Not when I've heard people say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go to the mission field when I retire. No, you won't. Come on. Come on in. If you can't serve God where you are right now, I doubt you'll do it tomorrow. Because the devil always gives you a good excuse and a good reason not to. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. God's looking for those who are all in for Jesus. Come on. This is not our life. This is his. Amen. This is his. God will make you do some crazy stuff. Like walk 
away from everything that you love to do to discover what God has next. He'll send Abraham away from his pagan family, start a covenant with a whole new nation. You know what he'll do with you? He'll take you and make you significant in the kingdom of God. All of us feel insignificant at times, don't we? All of us feel like God could use anybody but me. But I, I'm here to tell you that because of God's presence in your life, his presence is there to fix that. His presence is available. God is not all-powerful just to sit idle. Amen. <laughs> God doesn't just throw his weight around meaninglessly either. He has power under control and full of purpose. And we look at God and we ooh and ah at his power. But you know what his power is there to do? To do is to facilitate his grace. It's to facilitate his will, his purpose in the earth. God chose to use his power instead of destroying. He chose to use it to redeem and to save. And to deliver and to heal and to cast out devils and all that. But to empower you to serve God, to embolden you to be a witness for Christ, to, to open your mouth boldly. You want to know the sign, the evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God is that you'll speak forth the truth of the gospel boldly. Yeah, that's right. You know why I know most Christians aren't filled with the Spirit? Because most Christians' mouths are not filled with the Word. Oh my. Come on. <clears throat> most Christians' mouths are filled with the world. If the Holy Spirit's got you filled, he'll fill your mouth too. He won't just fill your not head. He won't just fill your heart with joy and speaking, but it'll start bubbling over. Yeah. You'll get this case of the can't help us, and that presence will ooze, uh, and you'll be like David, my cup runneth over. Amen. I, and you, you know, uh, some people can't stand to get around people who are spirit-filled because uh, it might spill over on them. Well, I sort of hope it does. Amen. Uh, some people are afraid of the kind of revival that we're fixing to have because uh, we have what some would call charismatic preaching. Amen. Uh, all it means is we're excited about Jesus. It has nothing to do with our doctrine. Uh, at least, in fact, it actually does have something to do with our doctrine. If you read the doctrine of the Word of God, uh, people are supposed to get excited about the Lord. Amen. Amen. Ain't nothing right wrong about getting excited about Jesus. There is something wrong about not getting excited about yeah. it. Mm -hmm. That's right. Listen, I hope it spills over. Yeah. I hope it runs down the aisles, down through every pew, touches every soul in the building. Amen? Amen. I hope it goes home with us. I heard revival breaking out over in Tennessee. I haven't looked into it. don't know the details. I don't know if it's legitimate or not. But I hope to God he pours out his spirit all over yes. the place and the revival breaks yes. loose around the world, amen, to rebuke this old spirit of Antichrist that's trying to take over right now before Jesus calls the church home. Mm -hmm. right. Listen, until we're gone, we, we ain't got no business sticking our head in the sand and just hoping Jesus will hurry up and rescue us. What are you afraid of? I shall not fear. Amen. The Lord is on my side. I shall not fear. What can man do unto me? Right. Come on. If anything, we need to be more bold now than ever. That's yes. right. Yes. You know, this cancel culture wants to silence every Christian make you intimidated and scared 
First of all, while you got the right, usually God given American freedom of speech and liberty. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. There's a lot of Christians that would die to have the freedoms that you've got. And you know, you, you know what? Uh, I'm afraid the enemy has done. Uh, uh, the enemy has not had to rob us of our freedom of uh, speech in order to get us silent. He's just had to rob us from our courage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What good is freedom of speech if you don't even have the boldness to utilize it? That's right. We need some Christians today that will speak up for God. That will speak up for the truth of God's word. And don't try to pretend like it's God's word when you've rewritten it to match up with today's liberal woke agenda. Can somebody say amen? Amen. It's time Christians unapologetically get a spiritual backbone and say no. Abortion is evil under every single circumstance. Somebody say amen. Amen. There's no reason why anybody should ever have the right to take the life that God has put in a mother's womb. Amen. I don't care how it happened. There's alternatives. Amen. There's there's adoption. There's other things you can do. But never should we have ever gone down that road. That's right. right. That's just one of many examples. Legalizing same-sex marriage. Listen, you know why all this stuff is rampant in our nation today? It's because Christians got a spineless, uh, 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 they went spineless. Christians went spineless, uh, and they said, well, we don't want to offend anybody. And so you quit raising the alarm. You quit raising the standard. You quit warning people that hell's to pay. Heaven is the game, and only the foot of the cross will make the difference. This world needs to hear that sin is still sin, black is still black, white is still white, that book is still true, and all men, women, boys, and girls shall bow both knees to the Lord Jesus Christ in the ear or on judgment day. The reason we have the chaos we have, I believe, in this world right now is because there's been too many preachers and too many Christians that have just gone with the flow. And we've allowed bulls to creep into our congregations and ease their way and force their way into positions of authority to manipulate the sheep, to control the sheep. And they nip it in the bud. Anytime a Christian gets spiritual, they're quick to point you out and shoot you down. But God give us some little grandmas that's got some spine. Amen. God give us some daddies that'll say no more of this. I, I hope and pray God fills his churches with so many Christians that are filled with the Spirit of God and the boldness of the Holy Ghost that, that lost deacons will fall under Holy Ghost conviction and get born again and saved by the grace of God to quit their rebellious uh, uh, shenanigans that they create in churches uh, to shut the kingdom of God down and to keep the churches from moving forward. I'm very thankful for my deacons here. This is a rare thing, amen, but there's too many churches who are deacon controlled and occupied because men have taught them that they run the roost and they've got this cocky, arrogant attitude, amen, to run things. And I'm telling you, if you ever get to the foot of the cross, you'll learn that one's in charge and his name is Jesus Christ and one group can go by and it's the word of God. And it's the bylaws and Amen. Are in uh, contradiction to the book. Throw the bowels out the window and pick up that word and don't uh, don't apologize for using it uh, as your standard of truth. I have people sometimes ask me, what does the Bible say about that? I don't even know. Because I studied this. That's right. Mm-hmm. As long as I'm in line with this, I don't care what the Bible says. Now that might offend some, and I realize there's some legalities and there's some reasons we do things we try to 
And I believe this church has gone through the process of trying to make sure their bylaws are as biblical as possible. <laughs> and I thank God for that. And that's just a rare thing. Y'all keep in mind, I've got a bigger audience than this. Some of this ain't going to fit you. Some of this ain't going to be applicable. So don't, don't get too upset. But, you know, I, I need to say this. Because there's preachers that watch my preaching every Sunday. Wishing to God they have this kind of courage and this kind of boldness to say what I just said in their church. Would to God, maybe, just maybe, because I was crazy enough to say it, maybe they'll go next Sunday on a bunch of all the ghosts and say, you know what? If God can do it for Brother Gary, God can do it for me. I don't know. I just pray. Listen, we just, all I know is we need to go back to the book. We need to go back to the book. What time is it? Time to keep preaching. You can tell you got a preacher in the midst. Amen. What now? Well, we're on praying ground. We're on holy ground. We need to make sure that we reverence the presence of God and the Word of God and the voice of God in our lives when we give you the Bible. Amen. That's got some power on it. Uh, let me finish preaching with Francis. I'll talk to you at the church we are. Psalm 91 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. And see, that's where we've got to quit fearing. The reason I went on that little, what some people call tangent about these is because I've lived through that in other places. And I know it's through personal help. It's easy for me to hit on that a little bit. What, when was the last Deacon's meeting we had? A couple weeks ago? It was on the phone. I was on the phone. There was, I was on my way to Mississippi preaching. We last Sunday. They were in the office. And I had to do it remotely. Now, I told my family, I said, after that Deacon's meeting, you know what I told them? I said, for the first time, I feel at home. Some of you wonder why it took me so long. But every church knows that they go through what they call the quote honeymoon season, end quote, with their pastor. Everybody's decided at first until he gets to preaching like this. And then the test is on for the sick living. Even if they don't understand, even if they disagree with them sometimes, will they tough it out and let God be God? Or will they say, you know what? Maybe I'm going to work out. And I thank God for some men in the congregation that took a risk with me. Amen. <laughs> and I believe that God's going to honor that. And I thank God. I feel at home. But listen. The devil's always going to try to sneak in. The devil's always going to try to send somebody to stir something up. Somebody's, and any of us are vulnerable to this. You know what's going to fix it? Living in the presence of God. Right. Just spend time with Jesus. Speaking. Don't, don't ever leave there. Just stay there all the time. But, but i got to work with you. You can be thinking on the Lord while you work. Right. Amen. You can be meditating on the Word of God in such a way Amen. I, I know you're going to 
Thank you for everything you've got. Charles, she lives awesome. And Miriam, thank you for listening. Every chance you get, God can meditate on something in the Word of God. That's how you stay in His presence. That's what's now. That's what God has for us. That's the power that we have to move forward. But now what next? Verse 8 teaches us in our text, Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eyes. And this teaches us that we have an own time Real time, all knowing, and all seeing God. Let me repeat that. On time, real time, all knowing, all seeing God. Amen. Over the years, the Lord has taught me and continues to teach me how to listen for His voice in what I like to call real time. Y'all know what I mean by that, right? In the computer world, if uh, uh, if you're talking to someone on FaceTime or uh, over a Zoom call, for those of you who have done that kind of stuff, uh, the communication is in real time when there's no lag or delay. Mm -hmm. But if there's a delay, it's not real time. There's a delay to it. God can walk with you in real time. That means... You, you, like Jesus said to the disciples, when they bring you before the council, don't worry about what you're going to say to you right in that moment. And in that moment, I will give you the word you need to say. That's a real-time God. Right. Amen. God is not going to miss his appointment with you. God never leaves you. How can he miss his appointment with you? He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly what you need to say next. And sometimes God don't even give me what to preach to you until Sunday morning. But I've learned to be okay with that because he's a real-time God. And if you gave me too much of a heads up, I try to figure it out. I mess it up. So sometimes you just rather give it to me as it goes. Works for me. Works for me. And it'll work for you too. We can't always plan things like we want to. That's why I don't get too uptight if we don't know too far in advance about things. Because I really am trying to practice this spiritual principle that is bigger than being good at keeping a calendar. Because I've learned that God's, what God's agenda is on his calendar is so often different than what I plan that I just don't weigh my calendar. I'm just like, okay, God, what do you want to do today? Because obviously... I don't have this figured out. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but you do. Know, a phone call or any ministry obligation, opportunity, what you want to, whatever you want to call it. Next thing I know, I'm going down to Mississippi to preach a funeral, preach the gospel to people that I may never get a chance to preach the gospel to again. I didn't see that coming. And if I insisted on my calendar being right, I never went. You see, so it's a process. The children of Israel have to learn to follow the voice of God. Let me give you the closing text. I know I've got to wrap this up. Just give me a few more minutes. Joshua chapter 3. Eight. Verses 3 and 4. Y'all remember whenever Joshua speaks of taking over across into the promised land. So they commanded the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, the priests and the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after. I'm just teaching the church to go after God. <laughs> just go after God. Amen. Amen. Yet there shall be a space between you and it. About 2,000 cubits by measure. Why is there a distance? I'll explain in a second. 
I'm not near unto it, that you may know, here's the reason why, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way. Before. He said, God wants to take his children to a new place that they've never been, but they're going to have to let God's chosen leaders lead and not put themselves up front in position as the leader. So they had to back up, give the leaders time to hear and navigate and implement the voice of God, and then they followed. This is a type and a foreshadowing a picture of the model for the New Testament church. As the Holy Spirit leads the pastor under the unction of the Holy Ghost, the church follows the leadership of the pastor. What most churches are afraid of, I think, is that their preacher will go rogue. So they clamp everything down. They have rigid rules and regulations. They keep them on such a short leash, his neck's not up against the pole sticking in the ground. <laughs> Don't have enough room to wiggle. Most churches. Thank God for a church that has vision. Because when you bind leadership down, you kill your vision. You kill it. People don't even want to bring up ideas because they know it'll get shot down. How do you know if people would help? You told them to, told them to shut up. I'm, I'm talking generally. I'm not talking necessarily to you. I'm just saying that this, this has permeated a lot of our churches today. And we've got to resist the temptation of that ever coming in. As long as it's in this book, as long as we're doctrinal sound, and I challenge everybody, listen, you hold me accountable to the same book I hold you accountable to. Amen. If I get out of line, you have a, you're, you, it's called the priesthood of the believer. You have equal standing with God yes. like I do. I'm no better than you. I'm just entrusted to a different position than you are. Right. But as far as being Christ, there's a, you, you are no, I'm, I'm not spiritually superior to you. And you can hear from God just like I can. Amen. If you'll go to that book, and I'll go to that book, that book should tell us both the same thing. Amen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It should. And if you see some difference in there, oh, I don't know if that preacher's in the book. You better come tell me quick because I'm losing my mind or something. <laughs> Amen. Any pastor should give their church liberty to come to them. I, I try to have an open book policy. I, I try to be the kind of approachable preacher. Here's what I learned, though. No matter how approachable a preacher tries to be, some people still won't be intimidated. Yeah. Yep. And rather than going to the person in charge, they'll try to go to somebody else. And then rumors get started. And you never know how much could have been avoided if you just went straight Listen, I'm talking about cultivating an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can lead the church into new territory that they've never been before. Some, some, some are nervous by that. I'm nervous. I'm nervous not to go somewhere with God. I, I'm nervous to miss the move of God. I'm nervous uh, yeah. that I'm not going to live out my purpose. Uh, and the reason God put me, I'm nervous that we won't reach those that we were meant to reach. Amen. I, I, we need to be more afraid uh, of the alternative than, uh, than the reality of uh, facing something new. Amen. Amen. So I close with this verse, Romans eleven thirty three. All the depth of the riches, most of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how... 
Unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding. Now listen, God gives us his word to give us a glimpse into his mannerisms and his methods, but not necessarily his technical maneuvers. Do I need to say that again? God gives his word to teach us a glimpse into his mannerisms and his methods, but not necessarily his technical maneuvers. We see God make a move, you might say a maneuver, and we try to repeat it, but God's moves and maneuvers cannot be duplicated. All we see is the results of what he did. We don't know how he did it. To this day, I still don't know how in the world God arranged all the details to get me from Mississippi to Georgia, but he did Amen. I only know the results of it. I can only tell you a fraction of the story. I can talk to you about the service level things that God did to connect all the dots. But how he pre-planned before the foundation of the world so that at the right moment and at the right time it would just all come together is beyond me. Listen, you may know of his movements by what he does, but you'll never figure out how he did it. That's what it means by his way to pass finding out. We can only learn his voice through his word and his spirit and trust his character, even and especially when we do not know or understand his ways. So from now on, let's just follow him. Thy way is in the sea, thy path in the great waters. Thy footsteps are not known. God goes and comes that he wills and leaves not a trace if you don't want to. That's why we're not seeking mechanics. We're not looking for uh, tricks and stunts. Uh, we're not looking, you know, people, uh, you watch, you watch to see in the next few weeks as that revival they say broke out in Tennessee carries on. You watch to see if other churches don't start trying to do what they're doing to get what they got. Yeah. They'll, they'll bring the same songs that they're singing. Mm -hmm. They use the same instruments. They'll try to create the same atmosphere, but it won't be the same because God is deeper than surface. He goes all the way down to the roots. Yes. That's right. And just because the church down the road does it this way or that way don't mean we have to do it this way or that way. Because if there's anything God did, he fixed it to, to where you cannot manufacture a move of God. That's something you have to seek for. That's something you have to hunger for. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It is not, that's something you have to repent for. That's something you have to pray for. Amen. You're not going to get it cheap. You're not going to get it easy. It's going to cost you something. Salvation was free. But the kingdom of God will cost you everything. Who will pay the price to follow God? That's right. Come on, brother. Now on, let's just be sure we're always following God. I believe that for many, you're there already, and I thank God for you. Uh, if this does not apply to you, praise be to God. You might be a little closer to Jesus than I am. But speaking for myself, i got to crucify myself every day and make sure I'm not doing what Gary wants. Or what anybody else wants for that matter. i got to make sure we're doing what God wants. Y'all pray for your pastor. I just, I never, one of my greatest fears is to do it wrong. One of my greatest fears is to mislead. Make a wrong turn, make a mistake. Oh, God, don't let us drag your name through the mud. Let's pray, church. Look, God.
God, don't let us take the wrong turn. But Lord, if we're taking wrong turns over and over and we're going nowhere, help us to start making the right turns. Lord, I don't know. I, I, I literally don't have any specific agenda item in my heart today, in my mind. Honest to God, I'm just laying out a spiritual principle as I feel led of the Holy Spirit and trusting that the Spirit of God will highlight what needs to be highlighted either today or down the road so that we'll have a better understanding of the voice of God and the Word of God. Lord, draw us closer to thee. Help us as a church. Lord, to Follow the voice of God. Send forth revival, I pray. Draw us close to you. Put families back together again. Draw lost families in and save them by your grace. Give us our joy back. Give us our song back. Lord, if we never had it, give us to it to start with. Oh, God, help us. To pursue the one who is pursuing us. We'll find that if we'll pursue the one pursuing us, pursuing us, we'll have a head-on collision with destiny. We'll see you do things with us, for us, and through us that many have said would, could never be done. Many have said would, uh, is impossible in the age of apostasy. But we're believing you, God, that you can still breathe on the valley of dead dry bones and raise up an exceeding great and mighty army. We're still believing, oh God, for a fresh wind and a fresh fire from heaven. Not a strange fire, a holy fire, a pure fire. 